Hi, I'm Angela Ardolino and welcome to Your Natural Dog, my podcast featuring in-depth conversation with the world's leading holistic veterinarians and pet care pros. Join us every week as we reveal natural alternatives to the outdated, one-size-fits-all pet care model we're used to. If you like what you hear, please make sure to leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. The only way we can get our message out to pet parents all over the world is with your support. Stop barking! I'm trying to record a podcast! Hey everybody, your natural dog with Angela Ardolino and my guest today, Jonna Devereaux from Bow Wow Labs. What we're going to talk about are other plants, fungi, adaptogens that interact with the endocannabinoid system. That's mainly why these plants are so incredible in the first place. Uh, She is an herbalist of over 20 years. She has a store in Rhode Island called Fetch, and she is the chief nutrition officer for Bow Wow Labs. And we're going to talk about these other incredible plants. Her and I are both in an incredible fungi course right now. So we're really into these herbs and fungi that also interact with the endocannabinoid system. So stay tuned. We're back with Jonna from Bow Wow Labs. And the reason that we're on this podcast or why you're on my podcast is because we're both enrolled in this incredible new fungi uh, program by Lee Carroll, Herba Meditari. I'm not sure if I'm saying it right, but I forgot who entered. Krista introduced us and then we both found out that we were in this class together. So then we ended up like talking and geeking out about things forever. And I said, we need to put this on a podcast so people can hear what we're talking about. Because it's pretty cool. We're both learning at the same time. Probably, I don't know what you already knew, but I just started playing this game where I was like, if I come across a plant or fungi that has medicinal properties for the most part, it is probably interacting with the endocannabinoid system. And basically, that's what we're learning now. I, I agree. I mean, I've been an herbalist for like 20 years and studying mycology for maybe the last 12 months. So I am a newbie. And I love that we're in this class together. It's super fun. You know, one of the things that I always think about is that there is not one aspect of our body our body that acts independently, right? Everything is so integrated that of course it makes sense that an herb that works on one bodily system is going to be impacting the endocannabinoid system and vice versa. It has it, you know, it's all connected. And then it makes so much sense with our animals who, you know, are descendants from wolves who of course were out in the wild eating these plants and mushrooms to probably help themselves with their own ailments. So I think it makes even more sense for animals, you know, using herbs and fungi and having, which we already know, we already have the research that shows that dogs have more receptors than we do. Um, And we have to say, why is that? I I 100% agree. You know, we talked about zoopharmacognosy, which is my favorite study uh, branch of science, which is the study of animals using plants as medicine. So much of what we know in the human world and the animal world is just from watching them, animals just be in nature. And so, you know, evolution is part of that. And as we learned um, in one of our classes, right, that they're seeing uh, historical uh, figures, right, that Otis Mann, I think is his name, that they actually found he had herbs on his body that was actually helping him with an infection that he had in his mouth. It's like mind blowing. So in a sense, 
This is in our DNA too, to go out and hunt and scavenge and gather and harvest. Um, so of course it makes sense for animals. We have a, a system in our body right. and every animal's body has this system that interacts with these plants and fungi. So to me, it's like, you can't deny it. And then it's beautiful because the people that maybe are anti-cannabis or even maybe not even a fan of mushrooms are certainly using some of these other herbs on a daily basis and realizing, oh, wait, yeah, I'm going to add this herb because it'll not only does it make it taste better, but it's good for me too. Like turmeric. Right. Like turmeric. I mean, I think a lot of people don't even understand that they're using plants half the time. Right. A lot of the supplements that are out there, you know, teas when you're not feeling well, they're including herbs. When you're take, drinking chamomile tea after a, a really stressful day, that's an herb that's, you know, providing the bodily system. Um, it's a tonic. There's so many values to chamomile as an, as an example for turmeric. Their curcumin, right, is helping with uh, inflammation in the body. You and I had talked about the different bio enhancers to that will help the body absorb that curcumin, which is the active ingredient in turmeric that really helps with the anti-inflammatory being piperine um, from black pepper. Cool dork out fact that I didn't even know that we learned in our class is that the uh, it's an endophytic fungi that makes the secondary metabolite of piperine from black pepper. So it means that that there's like there's a fungus in the in the plant that's, that's creating that right. It's just so fascinating to me. I can dork out about this stuff like all day long. And the same with ginger as a bioenhancer. People, you know, if you think about different cultures, specifically if you go to India, right? Like they are such a culinary powerhouse and they use, they're known for the spices that they use and the vitality that it brings their bodies. And we're just kind of coming around in the U.S. to realizing all of the benefits of the different natural spices and herbs that we can use um, both both personally for us humans, as well as with our animals, with that one asterisk of not all herbs, plants, and spices that can be consumed by humans are right and should be used for animals. Um, and let's come back to that because I'd love to talk about those that we should avoid with our animals and which ones, of course, that we already know about. But it's almost like in India when they're adding all of these different herbs and spices that it's like they're cooking with intention. You know, that it's just like, you know, the cooling and the heating of both proteins and vegetables and which ones, you know, feed what system kind of thing. It makes so much sense to me. So I love it. So what is what is the difference between an herb and a spice? When I think of herbs, I think of full plant medicine, just like you do with with the hemp plant. Right. So for me, you have aerial parts of the plant that it come from an herb. You have roots. You have the the, the fruiting bodies that come from the plant. So to me, and this may not be right, but in my brain, a spice is going to be something that we're more cooking with and kind of developing differently versus uh, herbs. We have to take different type of actions to draw out the medicinal properties, right? So you either, you need heat like a tea, you need alcohol or a glycerin to extract the medicinal properties. You can use like an oxymel, which is going to be something that's going to be taking more of the nutritive properties of the plant. So people out there may disagree with me, but that's how I look at them. So basically, if we want to use these things and cooking and uh, maybe to add some nutrients and flavors, we use them usually dry 
and cook them. And then if we're using a Morris medicine where our, we are usually extracting that. So I know in cannabis and mushrooms, we're extracting it for both from the flowers. I know from other things like uh, lavender, we're extracting from the flower, but we're not. We're extracting from the root when it comes to turmeric. So is that the difference? Meaning I can eat, right, and ginger. I can eat the ginger and I'm going to get, it's a functional food and I'll get some benefits from it. But if I want that medicine, I should get the extract from it because it's more concentrated. Not necessarily. So let's just take an example of a very invasive plant that's at least here in New England. I don't know the, the rest of the country. It's called poke root. So poke root can be really toxic to the liver. It's edible up until it's knee high. And then after that, you kind of let it go. But the root of poke root is really medicinal in very small, small doses uh, topically. So I I can't just say it's just about the root, right? Um, Because it depends on the plant itself. What we can do is kind of when we're looking at plants and the great thing with herbs, you know, is just touch them and feel them and smell them. You know what I mean? Like kind of sit down with plants and use that instincts that are inside each and every one of us. I did this really cool thing. I don't know. It was like maybe 10 years ago, I was taking like this advanced, you know, class and we were basically, one of the assignments was to go out and sit with a plant, just sit there. And I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. I'm going to go sit up there with the plant and the plant's going to talk to me. And I kid you not, I'm sitting out there And I had the sun coming on me and I'm just like, all right, what's going to happen here, right? And it was the hyssop plant. And I was just sitting there. And after like five minutes of sitting there, I got this overwhelming sense around my knees. Now I'm a runner and I have a a lot of issues with inflammation around my knees. And I got this intense heat and then this cooling feeling up and down my body. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to write this down. I go back to the teacher at the next class. I'm like, I don't know what this was. And she goes, well... Hyssop has anti-inflammatory properties. So the fact that it brought you to your knees, like felt it around your knees is very interesting. And if you think about what science is telling us now with inflammation, it used to be just use cold. Well, that's not the case anymore, right? They say cold and then heat, cold and then heat because you want to reduce inflammation, but also bring blood flow. So it was like those types of fascinating experiences that a plant has so much to offer us, right? the medicinal plants. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Okay. (laughs) So did you put it on your knee or did you take it or? No, like I ended, yeah, I ended up using it. I made it into a tea. So for me, because I wasn't experiencing like uh, an acute type of inflammation, I love teas, right? Teas get that, that medicine into every cell of your body. Um, So I started drinking it as a, as a tea and I still do. Very cool. I love that. When when it's in season, right? Cause you can use, you can use herbs fresh or dried. So I usually harvest, I love them fresh and then you'll dry them and have them for, you know, up to 12 months. Yeah. I think it's very cool to just look in my yard and see, start recognizing herbs growing as weeds just popping up out of my yard and growing on their own. And I'm just like, I know you, I know you. Holy cow, look at all these things that grow in my backyard. (laughs) There's an old saying in the herbal world that the herbs you need grow at your feet. So the herbs that are in your yard are herbs that you need. Herbs have such an amazing cleansing effect, right? Not only on our bodies, but on the soil. Yeah, I'm, I'm an herb lover, obviously. If you're like us, Your pets are part of the family. 
That's why at CBD Dog Health, we created a line of human-grade, full-spectrum hemp products tailored specifically to your furry friend's needs. Whether they're suffering from fear of fireworks, arthritis from old age, or even seizures and cancer, research shows that a high-quality CBD oil can make a big difference for them. Enter coupon code RADIO at CBDDogHealth.com for 15% off your first order. That's R-A-D-I-O. CBD Dog Health. Healing naturally. One of the things that we had talked about that I thought was so very cool is the different types of herbs and different herbs have different affinities for different systems of the bodies. And I think one of the things we started talking about was like nerving herbs, right? Which work at relaxing and calming and nourishing and supporting the nervous system. And so a lot of people go to CBD because they're looking for that, the calmness of the dog, right? Reducing anxiety. And so thinking about how you can have a cumulative effect by using a CBD plus using a nerving herb plus even adding in an adaptogen herb. If you just put that those three different types of plants into one formulation, you're working on basically sedating the central nervous system. And I don't mean sedating in a way to go to sleep, right? right? But you're kind of calming the central nervous system. You are working on the hypothalamus, pituitary, adrenal axis in the endocrine system, which is helping with the fight or flight and the anxiety. And then you have the, the CBD, which is helping with the endocannabinoid system and bringing that into homeostasis. I mean, it's brilliant. And then I love that you're saying this because this is what I do every single day. This is, and this is why I love having this conversation with you because you're an herbalist. I'm not an herbalist. I wish I was. I know a few things about a handful of herbs that I know all about and that I use and love and whatever. I know everything about cannabis. And then I'm like you. I'm, I probably have a year or two on you on the mushroom education. But this is what I do on a regular basis. I already know, the research has already showed us when we put more than one adaptogen together, they become more powerful and synergistic. That's out there. I know that. So why am not, I do it <laughs> on a regular basis. Just yesterday, a call, can't sleep at night, text from somebody. Can't sleep at night. I took the horse ease. I took horse heel. I still wasn't in a sleep, wasn't asleep. And I'm like, well, you were probably really calm, but that's not necessarily <laughs> going to push you to sleep. But guess what? Let's add two adaptogens that are, are that we know that will help. Exactly what you said. So, and then throw in valerian root, right? right? And then you have basically a powerhouse coming at it. Um, you know, one of the things that I don't think that we, we've really explored. And what I love about herbs, especially with Nervian herbs, is there are a lot of animals that come to see me um, and come into my store and I don't want to go down the rabbit hole, but that have a lot of seizures. I think there's more and more seizure activity happening because of a tendency to over-vaccinate, because of a tendency to expose our animals to more toxic chemicals yep. than ever, because we're trying to be preventative in one area, specifically fleas and ticks. Right. But in that preventative measure, we're actually kind of taking a, a, a wrong step. And a lot of the nerving herbs have shown um, anti-seizure activity. So having a blend, right, with the CBD, which I don't know that there have really been many studies, you can educate me on this, Angela, uh, about, you know, seizure activity with CBD, but again, just layering, you know, uh, skullcap is a great herb that has actually been shown to stop grand malls before they start. So there's so many things that we could use to just layer up and formulate. And 
for me as an herbalist, I'm kind of a singular type of person. And when I say that, I like to take singular herbs and make custom blends because not all blends are right for all dogs. But for what you do, having like at least the basics, it's a it's a great place for people to start um, with their animals and kind of go down that road. And then they can always custom add if they wanted to um, additional herbs or mushrooms or other adaptogenic herbs that could also help the the overall health of the the dog. And we have incredible information and studies out there. It was one of the first studies for seizure activity and calming the overuse of the electrical activity in the brain. But what's beautiful is that we can add these herbs that you talk about. We already know that CBD absolutely does that, but it's also a full spectrum hemp extract is a neuroprotectant. And then let's add some lion's mane. Let's talk about what's coming out on the research for lion's mane. And remember, each of these herbs, whether it's hemp or skullcap or lion's mane, each of these on their own have already been proven to be incredible for our brains. Putting the three together would be a game changer. I mean, you have to think it has a synergistic effect. It absolutely does. So we're like protecting the brain. We're calming the brain. We're doing all three of these things at the same time. It makes sense. Maybe I need to put that in a tincture. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, No, maybe you should. You know, and then I think the the thing to let your listeners know is that quality matters, right? So just because, you know, and I hope people go out and if you have a seizure dog or a dog that has a lot of anxiety, you start thinking about layering these different herbs, but not all herbs are the same. Not all CBD is the same as we talked about. I think the only true way to deliver CBD is full spectrum like you, the synergistic aspects of the plant. Is that, but do you feel that way about all? All herbs, a hundred percent. Because we don't, there are ingredients that we don't even know about, phytonutrients and phytocompounds that are in plants that we have yet to identify in a lab. We don't know how they're synergistically lifting each other and elevating and making an active ingredient stronger. So why would we strip that down? Because it has been proven, even with psilomarin, which is the active ingredient in milk thistle, that when you use milk thistle, it 100% works better in regenerating the liver and liver health than just taking the psilomarin Amen. Preach, out, preach, preach. And that's that. So right. use the whole plant. So I always feel like when I'm having this argument with someone, I'm either arguing with someone who knows better or who doesn't. I'm, it's either a trained, certified herbalist who gets plant medicine or someone who doesn't. So I love not having to explain that. Because remember, <laughs> I'm not an herbalist. I studied cannabis, so I only understood it and how it interacts with our body when you're pulling that extract out of the flower, not now learning that that's how I need to get all my medicine, which made me go, well, why are I not getting a COA for all those other plant medicines or the mushroom medicines? I think a lot of the things that consumers and pet parents and just as humans, we put so much confidence and faith into science and what science has taught us. But we need to remember the endocannabinoid system was just discovered in like 1991. Right. So we don't know everything. The micro, the gut microbiome is just now really coming to uh, to fruition. Well, they're starting to see the connections and the, how the gut is connected to the brain and to the liver and to the kidneys and to the lungs and to everything. So we're still learning. So to think that we as a human race have identified all of the different compounds in every single plant out there. And we know exactly how they work. That's just foolish thinking. Right. And I can't remember if we geeked out about this, but 
they're now calling the microbiome part of the endocannabinoid system and have now calling it the endocannabinoidome because yes. it's all connected. And these receptors are found throughout. And we have, what, six or seven, eight endocannabinoids now that have been discovered. And now, you know, what I love is discovering this adaptogenic plant literally takes the place of this endocannabinoids action kind of thing where people have heard about PEA or P, which is the equivalent when you're low uh, producing PEA is CBD is what takes its place, you know, where we used to think, oh, that was another endocannabinoid. So just that it's constantly coming out. So all these beautiful plants and mushrooms that we know about that help us beneficially to our systems, these are all interacting with this one system that is basically in control of keeping our body at homeostasis. I love it. What would be the difference of, I don't name an herb, name one of your favorite herbs that you like find that you're using all the time. Oh, I use a lot of them. I like, <laughs> so right now, no, I really do. And I use them for different reasons right now. Like milky oat tops, oats are like really good for me because I kind of need that calming and that little bit of release because I'm working so hard, but like even just yesterday, I had magnolia leaf tea. I have a magnolia tree in my front yard, right? And I kind of took the leaves off and just made a fresh tea out of it. So, I mean, I have different favorites for different reasons. <laughs> and right now, a lot of it is about calming. Okay, how about for your dogs? So I love marshmallow root. I love Oregon grape. I love yucca. Okay, so let's say marshmallow root. And when you're going to find a marshmallow root product... What, are, what do you look for to make sure that you're getting a pure product? Like I can tell you all day how to choose. I can tell you how to choose a mushroom product. Unfortunately, I can't tell you to check the COA because there is no labs checking to prove that your tincture has, you know, the compounds that it should have in it. I'm working on it. <laughs> so but. really when it comes to herbs, I am a little bit of an elitist and I apologize, so but that's just I. the that's world okay. in which I live. <laughs> so, I mean, I go to the brands that I've trusted for decades. I go to the master herbalists, know what they're doing, because really it's about how the plants are grown. What soil are they grown in? You know, because if you think about any plant, right, not just herbs, but they uptake the nutrients in the soil. And sometimes those nutrients are not nutrients, but they're lead or it's arsenic. And plants, especially herbs, have a way of cleaning the soil. Mm -hmm. So if you're putting, if you're growing herbs in what I'll call dirty soil, let's say that used to be a sod farm that had decades of chemicals and fertilizers and So it's dead whatnot. soil. Has it's nothing. dead soil. Right. Well, right, but it's dead soil rich with toxins. And now you're going to grow a plant in that area. That plant will eventually clean that soil out. But in the interim, that plan's uptaking all of those chemicals and toxins right. that you are then potentially putting into your body to help nourish your body and to help it in, in, in one way, shape or form. Um, so you could be doing things the wrong way. So I do a lot of my own due diligence. So I'm not answering the question that the way you want it to, um, there is no one easy, easy way besides just doing your homework. There's a lot of amazing herbal products that are out there. And the reason that you have to do that is because it's an unregulated market. So right. you're going to have bad players and you're going to have the good players. And unfortunately, the bad players usually know how to market to you better than the than the good players. Well, so you have to do your homework. 
But mushrooms. And think about price. No, but right. even think about price. Right. Let's just talk about CBD for one second, because this is, I think, the most glaringly obvious way to look at it. If you see CBD, a bottle of CBD out there on the market for like $12.99, I can 100% assure you, no matter what they say in the label, that is an isolate. It is not a good quality isolate. It not probably that any isolates, doesn't I even have isolate in it. Right. Probably Maybe does hemp seed oil. <laughs> right. So a lot of, <laughs> probably. So a lot of times price we navigate or, you know, we, we tend to gravitate towards lower priced, right? Because we're trying to be budget conscious, but sometimes there's a handoff with that. And that's going to be that you're losing the quality. So do your research and don't necessarily go for the cheapest product out there, because if you want a quality herb that has been grown the right way in the right soil, harvested at the right time, had the love and care put into it to extract those medicinal properties, it, costs it, it's going to cost you money and make it it's not, it's not super expensive yeah but it's not super expensive right. but it's not going to be 9.99 no it's not and so let's get back to how it's grown so i'm going to assume that you're not going to buy um your mushrooms from somewhere that's growing them in a damp basement out of a bag on oats no. are you no i will not <laughs> so i don't no, like I did not. that scream to you when you saw that that's how every most people were doing it Because to me, it drove me crazy. I was like, there's got to be. If I know that there are bioaccumulators, why do I want it sucking off of a grain? Well, so the way that I found this out was about a year and a half ago. So this was when I first started bringing mushrooms into my store because I understood they were adaptogens and I started, you know, kind of working into that space. I've always loved mushrooms, but never knew why. Here we go, (laughs) Uh right? idiot that I am. And I was working with a dog and uh, that had cancer and we were, you know, using the a variety of mushrooms and the dog also was very sensitive to yeast. Wow. And this particular mushroom blend was grown on brown rice flour. So it had a lot of carbs in it and that carbs break down into sugar, which feeds yeast in the body. And the dog after starting the mushroom started to have a very um, aggressive yeast response. And I was like wrapping my head around it. Like what the, what is causing this? Like, I know everything that's going in this dog's body. There's no reason this dog should be having a yeast response, a yeast response. And it wasn't, it wasn't a healing episode. Let's just make that clear. Right. This was something new. And then I started doing the research and I'm like, wait a second, they're growing this on brown rice. That's the only grain that, that this is, this has to be bio accumulating into the mushroom and it's being delivered into the body that way. And that was the first time that I actually learned really in such a uh, deep way that the substrate with which they grow the mushrooms is extremely important. And can I ask you, did that, because yeah. um, I, of course, when I went on my own research, I could not believe that the majority of the products are grown that way and that they don't even wait for it to become a fruiting body. They just wait for that primordia to pop up. Do you know if that product was one of those where they ground up the whole substrate or did they actually take the fruiting body from it? Because that's what I want to know. I want to so, compare that fruiting body from a substrate versus growing on out in the wilderness on the wood or rotting material it's supposed to be grown on. So I was told that they, they took the mycelium out of the sub, that they separated the mycelium from the substrate. Can't do that. So, right. That's, but that's what they said. So that to me is one of these companies, right. That is on the next best thing. And I had been carrying them in my store. I had thought I had done my due diligence and there, lo and behold. Was it owned? No. 
Oh, because I just got some information that Ohm is really coming into the pet side of thing. They've been at the HVMA for mm. the past two years, and they are one of those that the Primordia pops up and they throw the whole thing. And I think they grow on oats. I don't remember. And they're they're like heavily invested in this and are trying to keep things. I know this from real mushrooms battling, you know, yeah. the information that they're putting out. So it's pretty it's pretty crazy how someone big will come in and go, wait a minute. This happens in the cannabis industry all the time. Wait a minute. We could make how much money can we make on the pet industry? Pet parents love their animals. How much? Ooh, let's make money from over here now. And that I just have to, you know, you just made me think about something going back to herbs. One of the things that kills me. And so for all the pet parents listening that give their dogs herbal blends, not all herbs are tonic herbs, which tonic herbs are herbs that you can give your dogs 365 days a, a year. Yep. Not all herbs are tonic herbs. In fact, I mean, a lot are, but not a lot. Right. And so I see some of these blends that have herbs and I'm like, oh my God, that herb should be pulsed, right? Where you do five days on and five days on off and five days on and they're giving them 365 days a yes. year. For instance, one of them being licorice. Licorice has been shown over time to increase blood pressure. Now, there's a lot of benefits to the licorice plant. I'm not talking about licorice that we eat and chew right, to right. all your listeners. We're not talking about the candy, right? Talk about the adaptogen. It's a yeah, it's a great adaptogen. It's a great demulsant herb and it has a mil- amazing properties, but you don't use that 365. So again, it just kind of goes back to the idea of you can't be informed about everything as a pet parent, right? You have to have some semblance of trust which is why I say go and do your research on the brand, on the people that are in the brand, not necessarily each of their products, but real mushrooms. I love them. I know their mission. I know what they're doing and how they're growing. So I can trust anything that they put out. Right. So it's that type of thing of do the research on the companies that you're buying, not necessarily the individual specific products. Right. And the person behind it. You know, like I'm going to know that, you know, if you create a product or you're behind a product, that there is a reason for it, that you researched it, couldn't find it, and it it was needed in the space and you created it kind of thing. So I think that's really interesting, too. Not where it's just looks like a big commercial kind of thing. Right. I hope people learned something from our conversation. I certainly enjoyed it. Tell our listeners, where can they find out more about you? So you can find out more about me at bowwowlabs.com. And I also happen to own a little store in Rhode Island called Fetch RI. So you can also check me out there. And I have to ask you, I know owning a store was one of the biggest educations I've ever received. Did you feel the same way? Have you just been shocked at the condition of the pets that are coming in? How... Because we're in our little holistic world that I think we forget what it's really like in the real world until you go Mm. to your store and people just don't know things and need so much help and don't trust their veterinarian because they've had the same problem and they've never been said, well, what what are you feeding them? Yeah, it's been such a huge part of my evolution, you know, and part of that evolution is that I can't stand on a soapbox. I can't tell you what you should be doing and why you should be doing it. I need to get off that box and sit down and talk to the pet parent that's in front of me and say, what are your budgetary constraints? What are your concerns? What are your worries? And work with them and help them do what they feel comfortable doing to make their pet healthy. Because I can tell you all the things to do. But if you don't feel comfortable, if you don't believe in it, you're not going to do any of it. And your dog is none the more healthy because of it. So 
for me, having that store, yes, it has completely opened my eyes to everything, but it has really um, helped me just evolve with how I how I approach nutrition and how I approach herbs and mushrooms and just overall health and wellness. So it's it's been a, a, a blessing and the best the best gift. Amen. Amen, sister. Thank you for saying that. And thank you so much for being my guest. I know we're going to have you back on because we're going to talk about choking hazards with dogs. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please make sure to leave us a review wherever you're listening from. This is the best way to help pet parents like you find these episodes and get access to all our content. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Your Natural Dog and at AngelaArtolino.com. Introducing MycoDog, an award-winning line of medicinal mushroom extracts combined with adaptogens like ashwagandha, astragalus root, and bacopa monieri, made specifically for your pets. When it comes to mushrooms, sourcing really matters. Unlike other products on the market that are grown in China or elsewhere, the mushrooms in MycoDog tinctures are grown here in the United States to the highest quality standards. MycoDog offers three formulas designed to support senior dogs, as well as those suffering from dementia and canine cognitive disorder, breathing and respiratory issues, or autoimmune diseases and cancer. Use coupon code YNDPODCAST at MycoDog.com for 10% off these fantastic fungi.